Hey everybody, it's Willis. Wanted to put a note at the top of this episode. We talked today about Amazon potentially buying MGM Studios. Uh, when we recorded this episode, it hadn't happened yet. But yesterday, Wednesday, May 26th, uh, it officially happened. Amazon has bought MGM Studios for $8.5 billion. So we didn't know that when we were recording this, but we do now. Hot dang. All right, on to the episode. What's up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of Pixel Splitters. This is episode six. Uh, we, as always, are your hosts. My name is Willis. And my name is Josh. And this is the podcast where us two guys kind of sit down and discuss the uh, the goings-on in the video world, in the TV world, in the movie world, uh, and everywhere in between. Yes. And, uh, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got a few things coming at you this week. Um, the big thing in the news, I think, is going to be Amazon.com is looking at paying an explosive $9 billion for the movie studio MGM. Yes. Uh, which is kind of wild. MGM's been around for, for quite a while. I know. Um, we're also going to do a, a brief conversation about method acting and kind of, I guess, converse about its legitimacy and how important method acting really is for roles and things like that. Right. And if it's necessary or not, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then also in tech news, uh, Panasonic has announced the GH5 Mark II and also kind of at the same time, the GH6. Um, so the, we'll definitely have some thoughts about that. Yep. Uh, and to bring us home, we're going to talk about Netflix and their potential video game branch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then kind of swing back to an older episode here uh, with our uh movie musicals conversation and talk about the dear Evan Hansen trailer uh, and the casting of older actors to play uh, characters that are not older. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> it, it, Yeah. Um, so we got a lot going on in that. Um, how you doing, Josh? I'm doing pretty well, man. Weather is actually super nice now. So I'm it's stoked true. about it. It's true. Although I did just see um, the actor who played uh, Sebastian the Crab uh, yeah. has just died. Sam Wright uh, at 74. So R.I.P. Yeah. Starting this this podcast off on a super positive note. On but, a nice um, <laughs> You know. Can only get I don't go know. up from here, that means. Yeah, I saw that news and I was like, oh, I hear that voice in my head automatically. So I feel like I had to at least mention it. Absolutely. Yeah. Rest in peace, legend. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start out here. Let's um let's talk about Amazon and let's talk about MGM. So we kind of touched on it, but Amazon.com, uh maybe you've heard of it, uh, is looking at buying MGM for an approximately, I think, around nine billion dollars. Um yep. I don't know. you start us off, Josh. What's your what's your thoughts on that? Um, it makes me nervous because, well, it's weird because the media world went from like these big 
conglomerates owning everything and then it went to individual studios and individual properties like kind of owning themselves and now we're getting back into that big you know uh conglomerate uh empires owning these these things which makes me nervous specifically because of the article that we read about it and it seems like bezos well, and this is this kind of is obvious to me, but Bezos only wants people to stay on Amazon to buy stuff. Like it's not really, sure. a, you know, it's it's not about the passion for filmmaking or any of that stuff or storytelling. It's about let me keep you guys on Amazon so you can potentially buy more stuff from us. Yeah. So that right there makes me really nervous because I don't know. That doesn't tend to work out that well for properties. I mean, Star Wars is a big example. Um, there's got to be others out there, but honestly, for the from the past like, you know, ten years, Marvel and Star Wars have both needed someone to kind of helm their creative control that understands stuff. Yeah, and that's the only reason they've kind of come back. Understands like the the filmmaking side of it. Do you mean the filmmaking side and the fan service stuff? Sure. You know, and I I think that Disney buying those properties. And then giving them to people like Kevin Feige and Dave Filoni mm-hmm. was a good choice, but I don't think that Bezos has that side of him. Yeah, I think he saw James Bond, you know, you know, big MGM properties that are going to make them tons of money and make, you know, potentially make people stay on their site longer. So that it makes me nervous because I don't know if they're going to do the right things from here on out with the properties once they have them. Um, but that, you know, obviously we'll have to wait and see, but, but what do you, what do you think about this whole thing? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in that same vein, I think, uh, and this could be said of of a lot of streaming services, especially like Netflix too, like with the filmmaking is not the goal when, when you're, uh, beholden to a streaming service, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you're not running and we've talked about this kind of before, but you're not running off of like a box office percentage. That's not where you get your money. Netflix and Amazon, their costs come from the number of people or their profits come from the number of people that are on their site. And, you know, they do better when, like you're saying, when uh, someone stays on Amazon and, you know, watches something and then decides that they want, um, I don't know, the suit that James Bond is wearing. Yeah. I I suppose... (laughs) It's interesting because as I say it, I'm like, if ever there was a franchise and here we go with franchises again, but if there, if ever there was a franchise that is like open to like product placement, it's James Bond. James Bond is probably one of the most product placement heavy franchises in the history of, of movies. But, oh yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because like Disney is, is I think a little bit of a different case because they are still an entertainment company when it comes down to it but and i i suppose netflix is too but like amazon is super not and i go back and forth because there was a while there where amazon was really being really really supportive of like the independent filmmaker like world and um, Mm -hmm. community you know and putting things on amazon you know, without ha- it having to have a large following or, you know, paid distribution or anything like that. There was a while that just general filmmakers could upload to Amazon. And I think they still can to a degree as long as it's, I think, not a short and not a documentary, which. Yep. Um. So 
I, I share your hesitation uh, about um, Amazon and MGM. It's interesting because like, is this the direction that we're going with this stuff? Like, you know, I don't know how many smaller movie studios are still out there. And, you know, I, I MGM is not a smaller movie studio. You know, they're, they've been around no. for, don't fact check me on this, but probably more than a hundred <laughs> years at this point. Um, it's probably close to it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Are they going after more than like the franchises that they have? Do you think, I, I know the article we looked at was talking heavily about James Bond, but also like Rocky is part of that, which is, you know, not, uh, I don't think it would be in the top 20 of franchises that you think of, but no, there's certainly the potential there, especially now that we've gotten into like Creed and Creed 2 and things like that. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking like Cobra Kai, like all of these nostalgia based, um, like properties that are coming back. Yeah, it's, and I respect the hell out of Cobra Kai as a little tangent because it started on YouTube, which I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not an easy thing to do. And then Netflix bought it. So that's a kind of a different thing. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Amazon is doing something that the other streaming services are doing as well and just buying up big IP. And we, we bring this up all the time, intellectual property. They're buying a lot of these properties like Lord of the Rings, James Bond. Yeah. But they have a different. Well, different in a way, because you're right, that everyone's trying to keep you on their site. But Amazon's not trying to keep you on their site to watch stuff. They're trying to keep you on their site to buy stuff that's not related to the movie. And that's what really got to me about the article was yeah. like, he doesn't care. He's like, I, the goal is to get people here so they buy more stuff off Amazon and use Amazon Prime. Which I'm like, well, that sucks. Like, that just yeah. really sucks. Because James Bond, Lord of the Rings, like, these are properties that people really care about and to see them kind of get thrown to the side like as this piece of um just like this piece of candy to try and get you enticed to go buy stuff off amazon it just makes me just not disappointed but it makes me um i'm not mad i'm disappointed i'm not mad (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's disappointed isn't even the right word because it's totally i this is not above jeff bezos so it's like it just it makes me sad because I feel like a lot more of this stuff might be coming down the pipeline. Um, but but I don't know. I, I want to see this stuff succeed. But I don't know what this means for releases either. Like, will they do simultaneous releases? Or, like, what the he- what's going on here? Like, do, do people understand that this is so much more than just, oh, we'll put your movies on my streaming service. It's like, no, you got to work out these... Uh, theatrical releases now and there's so much that goes into this stuff that I don't think is being thought over and maybe I'm totally off base and I that they've they've thought all this through but there's a lot that goes into this stuff um yeah and I think it's just oh well I got a hundred billion dollars let's just buy MGM and call it a day and see what happened like that just that sucks to me like well so the, the interesting thing that I sort of want to think so like Jeff Bezos being Jeff Bezos and you know I any listener, I'm sure, brings their own baggage and knowledge base about Jeff Bezos and, and what he's like. But, like, yeah, is he going to care about the content? Which, like, I think no. But, like, is that a benefit or a detriment? Like, if he's like, I don't care what you make, just make something – what gets made has to be deferred to somebody. And if that somebody is somebody that cares about filmmaking and Mm. cares about like the quality of these things, that could be 
good. You sure. know what I mean? Because so it's so it's like if MGM, if when gets absorbed into Amazon, if there's sort of, and I'm sure this person already exists to a degree because of Amazon videos and things like that. But like, if there's a person that's in charge of like, okay, yeah, we have to make this content, we have to distribute this content, we have to do all this stuff. If that's a person that can be passionate about the James Bond franchise or about a new Rocky movie or about you know any of the numerous things that that MGM puts out um in a, in a given year like this could be a cool thing because there's a there's money there and there if there's someone with passion like it could be a solid trait you know do you get what i'm kind of saying yeah i mean if they're letting go of the reins and saying hey we bought this do what you can do with it then i'm on board with that um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Prime has some of my favorite original content that I've seen in the yeah. past three years. I mean, The Boys, Sound of Metal, Invincible. Like, we're talking stuff that I love, love. So it's not that they don't produce... Like, I think their studio, whatever... I don't know how their studio works, but they do good stuff. So yeah. I don't think it's out of the question, but when I hear... Like, I don't know who acquired the boys' IP. Like, was it Seth Rogen coming to Amazon and wanting to make it? Or was it, you know, Amazon thinking? But when I hear it's starting off as, I want to buy this property so that people come to Amazon and buy stuff. Like, that that fact alone just makes me kind of upset. But you're right. There's, There's very good chance that this stuff's awesome because we've seen it. Good filmmakers and crews work on stuff on Amazon. So yeah, it's not absolutely. out of the question. So it's like they, I, they yeah. do have a little bit of a reputation, especially in the past couple of years of like, we're putting out good content. And like, I want to say here that like, every time I start a sentence here, I'm like, I feel like I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm defending Amazon. Like Amazon's the best. Like <laughs> I'm not of that mentality at all. I'm like, yeah, Amazon probably in the long run, not a great thing. Um, but like, it's interesting with, with all this kind of, the thing that I worry about with the comment of like, oh yeah, we want people to come to our, come to watch our movies so that they'll buy stuff is, um, Amazon's x-ray feature, um, on their streaming service. So if you're watching a movie on Amazon and you pause it, yep. the thing that pops up will tell you everyone who's in the current scene, if there's music playing, what the song is. Oh yeah. 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 So, if I'm going to get into a movie and like I hit pause and like James Bond is drinking a Heineken on screen and there's a yep. button that says buy Heineken here. Six pack. <laughs> that worries me. Yeah. Because not going to lie. I think the like with the way that Amazon like is able to like negotiate people to like click buy, click buy, click buy. Like how many things have you bought on Amazon? Cause you're like, Oh, you know what? I do need that. Yeah, click. Literally today. <laughs> yeah. So, like, my worry is that, like, it's going to be like, oh, man, like, I really, like I said earlier, I really like that suit. Or, like, you know, I really like that. It, it's weird. Like, I'm going through James Bond and I'm like, it. there's nothing on, in James Bond product placement that I'm, like, buying off of Amazon. Yeah. Either because Martin. it's, yeah, either because it's, like, <laughs> alcohol or, like, really, really expensive, like, tech. But... 
Yeah, um, or stuff that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Aston Martin is like, I'm like, not like, oh, you know what I'd love to get right now? And Aston Martin, click, right. Amazon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, that's that's the part that worries me is that it's going to become like, oh, yeah, we can link to things that are in the scene. And when you can do that and that becomes profitable, then that starts dictating, oh, well, what if we put like this product in the scene? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what if Charmin mm-hmm. Ultra uh, right. <laughs> toilet paper was in this scene? Right. Um, and that could be a slippery slope. And like, I'm clearly like, all this is all hypothetical. I'm not saying that this is something that's going to become a part of X-Ray, but. Sure. It's not hard to see that path. No, it's not out of the question at all. And the fact that you just started saying that, like, I'm thinking of it like that. I would be surprised if that didn't happen, to be quite honest, because you're right. Like, that stuff, it would integrate seamlessly into the software. And I don't think most people would pay any mind to it. It's like, oh, you know, it's Amazon. I get it. It's all Amazon. Um, And you're already logged into your Amazon account. Exactly. And like, when you're logged into your Amazon account, you can hit buy now one click and it's like it knows what credit card to use it knows where it needs to go and you're just like so it's like suddenly i have that you know bobblehead from the office or right (laughs) yeah and the thing is like it's weird because when you go on a prime like if you're not a prime video user basically what happens is you go on a prime and you have to click a separate tab in amazon to bring you to prime video so it's even less out of the question because you have to get to a different spot on the site that doesn't really have any product on it. It it makes almost more sense to me for them to start doing that because they just want to get you back to the site. Like when when I'm done with Prime Video, I pretty much just turn it like shut it down. Like I'm not going to yeah. go onto Amazon like usually. Um so yeah, that is very very plausible and i bet you it probably at some point is going to happen and they're definitely going to start hiring michael bay a lot well and the thing you just touched on that i kind of like made my eyes go even wider is like maybe it's not even like oh yeah there's like charmin ultra in the and i don't know why toilet paper is my go-to don't ask me but like (laughs) uh 2020 was a bitch uh yeah but it's it's not so much even that like oh yeah there's charmin ultra in this but it's like so you click pause and suddenly it goes, oh, yeah, buy your Billy Butcher action figure. Yep. Right here. One click. And it's yep. like like merchandising and things like that. And, um, you know, get Billy Butcher is a weird example, but like get your Billy Butcher like bed sheets or like trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of which I'm sure if I Googled it, if I went on Amazon right now and, and oh, yeah. thought Billy Butcher. uh trench coat it would it would come up 100 percent. and I'm honestly do it. do it because like it all this it takes is one one because i can see disney doing this shit too oh yeah like all it takes is the first step like one company to do this first and amazon is probably the most likely to do that because they started as a freaking whole set like they started as a website that sells stuff but then yeah this is Wow, this this is not. I didn't so, really consider any of this. I would stuff. like to, I would like so I would like to point out that I just went on Amazon and typed in Billy Butcher and Billy Butcher trench coat was the fourth item down from the top. Oh my god! So. Oh my dear god! Yep, exactly. That's all it takes. That's all all they have to do. And yeah. Oh god. 
So like that's that'll I think be the thing to watch is like what's going to happen with Amazon and product placement. Mm-hmm. It's interesting scrolling through this because there is some some decent IP. There's a lot of old school IP in here um, mm-hmm. of like what what they've got. But there's also a, a decent horror back catalog. There's Pink Panther, which I think is I think Pink Panther will see a lot for, coming from Amazon. I'd be OK with that. Um, yeah. Uh, and then what was the other one I just saw? Oh, where'd it go? Oh, Logan's Run is MGM. Oh, which I think that is primed for a comeback. Bring it back! No, I'm so no down for. <laughs> um, Please, Logan's Run again. I'm down. But. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that's um, interesting. Super interesting. I think as so many things that we have to talk about on this, that we end up talking about on this podcast, we'll have to keep an eye and see uh, see where we're going to land. 100%. I mean, most of this stuff is all like, oh, they, they're making a deal now and we might see something happen in two years or 10 years. Like some, a lot of this stuff is going to be the long, we're playing the long game on this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll have to, we'll see. We'll see how dedicated they are to this uh this ip exactly and speaking of dedication (sighs) nice uh let's talk for a minute about method acting yeah so there was an interview done and i don't know if this happened the other day or if it was just something that they put out the other day but martin freeman did a little interview where he was talking about the way that, or or he basically he gave his thoughts on how method acting affects a production and the way that he thinks of it, uh, whether or not it's necessary or not. And pretty much what I gathered from him, and it's not hard because he pretty much just says it, he thinks that it's narcissism and completely unnecessary because you, as an actor, should be able to just get there and do your job and not have to, oh, let me take six months to be this person. Um, yes. And in a way, I agree with that because, and this is how I was thinking of it, acting is, you're pretending to do something. Yes. If you're a method actor, you're not really pretending anymore. So let's 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 come back for a second and just for yeah, any yeah. listener that, that isn't really familiar with what method acting is. Oh, totally. Yeah. The idea with method acting... Is and I can already hear my my college uh, acting friends yelling at me for butchering this this definition. <laughs> but I'm gonna the the idea with method acting is you don't go in, say your lines, do your actions, and like kind of act how you become the character that you're portraying. So anything you do you do as the character that you're playing would do. There's no, like you as a person cease to exist, you become this person and everything you do is based on how they would react. And it usually extends far beyond like between action and cut, you know? Uh, Yeah. I think the, the big, the big players, I would say the big method actors of, Right now, I would say are Jared Leto, mm-hmm. um, Daniel Day Lewis, Daniel Day Lewis, 
Uh, thank you. Um, I would say Joaquin Phoenix a little bit. To an extent, he, and in that yeah. same vein, Christian Bale, too, to yeah. some extent. Um, <laughs> in my brain, I just went Robert Downey Jr. because Iron Man, but I think they just happened to actually be the exact same person. But They're um, just the same person. <laughs> yeah, that's not method acting. But so, And then method acting was like the original method actor was like Marlon Brando, who kind of yeah. revolutionized the whole thing. It said, like, I can just become mm-hmm. this character. Yeah. Um, and that's hard to argue with because it's Marlon fucking Brando, but right uh, I'll, I'll i'll come back to you josh what so continue um so well so during the interview freeman references jim carrey which i get which i should have brought up there too and this is one that i so i'm not a huge daniel day lewis fan i think he i think he's really good at what he does but a lot of the movies he, he is in i'm just you know some of them are just not my cup of tea sure um but if you've never seen the film Man on the Moon, or you don't even have to necessarily watch that movie, which is a great movie, but the documentary Jim and Andy, which mm-hmm. is about the making of that film, where they kind of go behind the scenes, and it's essentially about Jim Carrey losing himself into the the character that Andy Kaufman plays, who that the movie is just about Andy Kaufman portraying, um, so, like a character in this film, yeah, um, and. That film really put it all into perspective for me. Have you seen uh, Jim and Andy? I've seen Man on the Moon. I haven't seen Jim and Andy. Okay. That puts it in perspective because I've never seen a real method actor work mm-hmm. like to the extent that they do. That put it in perspective to me because he was, was in quotes, Andy Kaufman to a certain extent. Yeah. And, you know, you can't speak to him unless you're calling him, like he's not going to, talk to you unless you're calling him Andy he's not going to act like himself at all which is Jim Carrey so who knows how he really acts anyway <laughs> yeah um and he just it pretty much made it a nightmare on Seth for everyone because he was not he was lost in this character yeah um, and Andy Kaufman like brilliant comedian not like the best guy right right exactly so of course it made everything on set super tense and and not work very well and for me that seems like it's more of a detriment to the filmmaking process than it is what you're getting out of it because yeah. when I think about my favorite performances over the last 20 years not a single one of them is a method actor like I love Daniel Day-Lewis in Lincoln and Gangs of New York like there's a tons sure. of things that I love him in but none of those mo- are are uh, performances where I think to myself, wow, that's my favorite performance of all time. So at a certain point, my opinion about the entire thing is what, what, what are you bringing to the table in the, in these like really specific scenarios that you can't get just by being an actor? And yeah. it seems like it's not more of, it's not acting, it's reacting because you're not like reading the lines. You're just, you're, you're doing them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but basically I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm for the most part of, of the same opinion. I think there's something to be said. I think the key word here is like momentum um, of like, so, you know, when you're acting, when you're on a set and, you know, in a film or something like that, there's a very like staccato sense of it, of like, go stop. Go, stop, go, stop, 
action, cut, action, cut. And there's a level to which like, well, okay. There's a, the argument for method acting is that like, if I'm always in this, that cut doesn't pull away from how this, like, I don't have to, when you say action, I don't have to like bring my mind back to a place of how this character would react, how this character exists in this space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. So for that and like the idea of momentum and continuity and things like that, I I kind of get it. But like if you're doing that at the cost of those around you and like making the process not enjoyable for those around you and honestly like if you're making the process not enjoyable for those around you, that's a problem Um, because viewers are great filmmakers and I'm including like you know, wardrobe, hair, makeup, set deck, et cetera. Like filmmakers like that are also an important part of that. And like, you know, being a part of that industry and that community is arguably as, if not more important than your viewer. hundred percent tangent. Um, (laughs) But like, I don't know. Is that continuity something that's going to, really be more of a benefit and like honestly like to sort of i think what you you were touching on there for a second like if you're sticking into that continuity is that like a crutch and like is that less acting skill than being able to come back into it you know what i mean like are you a stronger actor if you're like yeah i can stop and be myself and take notes and you know talk to the crew and whatever and have a lunch and then come back to it like to me that takes more skill than like i'm just i am abraham lincoln all the time um i don't like and daniel day lewis is like the the classic of this like i think i'm trying to remember exactly what it was but it was something like he only ate food that was like around during the civil war when filming lincoln and i'm like yeah Josh just rolled his eyes really heavily and I agree like it's hard for me to see that translated into the screen and like at what cost exactly and and when we go back to it like just what you were saying it's if anything it's more impressive when an actor and this is just our opinion it's more impressive when an actor can just turn it off. Like when Heath Ledger was doing the Joker, and this is only because I watched a couple interviews with Michael Jai White, and he was talking about how like Heath Ledger wasn't method during it. Yeah. He was like, no, cut. And he was just like, hey, what's for lunch? You know, what's for he wasn't mm-hmm. like the Joker the whole time. Which is so much more impressive to me that it was just action and he's in it and he's done and he's the Joker. Like he versus, oh no, I have to be this person and I'm trying not to like I don't want to rag on method actors too much because I do respect what they do. But what are you bringing to the table? Yeah. Like, what? what's the point? Because, I, I, like, I have a whole list of our actors or our performances here that I love more than Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln. And I'm like, none of these people did it method at all. Yeah. It's just, well, and the Joker is, like, a good, like, indicator of that. Because it's like, what's the better performance? Heath Ledger's Joker or Jared Leto's Joker? Right. Like, that's a, you know, that's a, and extenuating circumstances around that, whatever, sure. But, like... You can't argue that Jared Leto being a method actor brought more to the Joker character than Heath Ledger's Joker character, or for that matter, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's. 
exactly. or Jack Nicholson's. Exactly. And I don't know. Yeah, I just I struggle finding the the like the value in doing something like that. Like if that's your process as an actor, then sure. But I question why. It seems like more of a like a personal issue than it is like how good you are at what you're doing because it's as an actor and and I'm not someone who's an actor so I'm just speaking externally here but as an actor shouldn't it be more or wouldn't it be more impressive to you to just be able to immediately go into character versus okay let me take nine months to become this person and then you can only reference me as Lincoln if not you're gonna break my character and I can't do it like that just seems very like really are you that good of an actor then or and I can't you know I there's no doubting Daniel Day-Lewis is one of the greatest actors of all sure. time. But, but again, at what cost? And, and what are you bringing to the table? Well, like, so you know. there's, an interesting, there, there's an interesting thing there because it's like, yeah, like Daniel Day-Lewis is arguably one of the best actors ever, as is Marlon Brando. Sure. Yeah. So there is something to this. And De Niro. Like there's a whole bunch of methods. And De Niro. Well, but, is De Niro but, so much a method? Not anymore, but he what he did some stuff back. Then. I don't know. I just thought of uh, Meet the Fockers, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so, but yeah. like, so if we take the case of like Marlon Brando and Daniel Day Lewis, like, yes, there's something to be said that method acting can deliver fantastic, amazing performances. Mm-hmm. So that being said, and I'm trying to think of a good analogy in my head, but that being said, is like I think. Are there, I to bring it back to the Martin Freeman interview and things like that, I think it's like, it does have the potential to give a fantastic performance, but like being a method actor doesn't guarantee a fantastic performance, which I think is what a lot of actors end up thinking is like, oh, well, if I go method, I'm going to be better because I'll be in this. And, and that's, I think, just not true. I think that just has to do with, the person and you know the delivery and things like that 100 percent. and i mean like even with jared leto as an example i don't know if he method acts every single one of his performances but i think the joker was not a good rendition of the joker but some of his other performances like i think he was pretty good in the second blade runner movie like i think there's yeah. a lot of performances well, the, where the one probably... i think of is um dallas buyers club which yeah. i think he was definitely method for that and it's a fantastic performance Totally. So like there's something to be said from that, but like I guess what we're getting at is it's not like a catch all. Like no. I like the idea of it being a tool in your acting bag, but not like the entire workshop of your acting bag. Hundred percent. Like if you need to get there, like if you need yeah. to go to that place for a specific role, then by all means, like take it there, but I think that the notion of that method acting is superior acting or method acting is the only way to do it or, you know, you always get better performances out of someone who's doing it method, I think is just completely not true. Obviously, a lot of this is opinion, but it's just, I'm looking at the facts. Like, come on now. (laughs) Like, how can we we even, like, beat around the bush about it? I think, yeah, yeah. If 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 you need to do that as an actor to make your performance better, sure. But in some instances, it seems like kind of a 
like a, I don't need, not like a cliche, but like a, uh, I don't even know what the word is. But being like a method a actor isn't going to like make you a better actor. Exactly. Exactly. So. I, I, I was like going to be like, speaking of being a better something. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's fine. It, who cares? No one cares. We care more than anyone else. So Panasonic. <laughs> speaking about sometimes being better and a lot of times. <laughs> speaking about having <laughs> a, uh, a very specific toolkit uh, in your arsenal. Um, yes. Yeah. Panasonic Lumix. Panasonic that works. Lumix. Announced today. Uh, today being Tuesday, so a couple days ago for those listening. Uh Panasonic today announced two cameras, the GH5 Mark II, follow-up to the GH5, which is probably one of the most well-known and most beloved uh, Panasonic cameras ever. Totally. Uh, And the GH6, which I have had people ask me about the GH6 for quite a while now. Um. Mm. So th- those are coming, um, yes. <laughs> and they're coming in pretty quick succession. Um, do you know, Josh, offhand when the GH5 Mark II is going to hit? I don't know the specific date, but they're taking pre-orders now for it. So I assume it's it's probably depending. Like not a lot of people are like, oh, this is the hard date because things have gotten so shaken sure. up over the past year. It's like, well, we're not going to say that and then bump it. So I don't know if they have a specific date. I would I would say probably not. It'll it'll probably be like you can buy it now. It's just when, yeah. when are they going to ship? Um, so here's but, here, here's I guess what I'm aiming at is the GH5 Mark II is available in the near future, in 2021. Yes. The GH6 is also available in 2021. They're saying that's going to be released towards the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So, like, why? Yeah. Why are we getting a GH5 Mark II if they're just going to do a GH6? Especially considering, and this is not inconsequential, but that Panasonic traditionally has done the GH2, the GH3, the GH4, mm-hmm. GH5, and the GH6. They did have a 5S. They did but, have a 5S, but, yes. Fine. But, that, but then why have why a Mark II then? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think's going on here? I, so... The GH series from Panasonic, just as a preface, is one of the most popular video cameras mm-hmm. for like uh, like indie filmmakers, videographers, just because it's really like the color is really great. It shoots 4K. Uh, doesn't have a recording limit. There's a whole bunch of reasons why to get like the GH5 and the GH series is fantastic. Um, but I think they're struggling right now i think that's why they're releasing this camera which seems kind of counterproductive because they're just pouring a whole bunch of money into producing two cameras yeah but i think gh5 mark ii they're trying to capture people's interest again because it's been a little bit since they've done anything crazy i know the s1h is was an awesome camera not that many people bought it so for our listeners the s1h is Panasonic's and the S1 and the S1R? R and the S5. And the S5. 
uh, are a series of full frame Panasonic cameras that for all like practical purposes are really dope cameras. Yeah. Um, I personally think they're drastically overpriced. Um, and like, it, they, uh, yeah, like you said, they were not overall um, well selling cameras. No. And part of that's the price and it's they're er, like ergonomically they're nightmares yes. cameras like it's not something you want to hold or put in a kit. It's just, you know, it's not a very consumer friendly camera. Um but I I really think especially from what we saw in 2020, Sony took over, they released mm-hmm. a vlogging camera, they released the smallest full frame camera ever made, they released um, the uh, A7S III, which is huge. They released the A or they they announced the A1. You know they had they had a huge year. The FX3, the FX6, like they had a massive year. Same with Canon and Nikon, like to a lesser extent. But they also released a whole bunch of stuff. N- nice save. I was about to uh, ask our listeners to forgive you for fangirling all over the place. Uh, oh, about Sony. Yeah, jo- <laughs> Josh is a Sony shooter. Everybody, in case you haven't uh, haven't noticed, big Sony guy, big Sony guy over here. Um, but I'll give the others credit where it's due. Sure. Not that their cameras are, you know, any good or anything. But yeah, Canon and Nikon also Canon produced, or bust. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, released their secondary versions of the like the new mirrorless line and stuff. But honestly, I don't think Panasonic did anything. I can't and that really might think be... of any like. I don't know. The S series, I'm like, I, I have no real concept of when those actually came out. I think they just kind of kept releasing them. I was like, oh, this exists now. Right. Um, oh, the S5, I did. I think, did come out last year. But again, it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So it's Oh, and the G100. They did the vlogging G100 to combat ZV-1. Okay, but again, sure. But no one bought that game. Yeah. <laughs> so here's my... So let me, like, to, to back it up, I think the GH5 and more mm-hmm. to the point the GH4 are like what really put Panasonic on the map because the GH4 came out and did 4K during a period where no one else did 4K. If you wanted to Mm -hmm. shoot 4K, you got a GH4. And the same with the GH5. It's like they were in that kind of sweet spot of, yeah, like we're a micro four thirds sensor, which is like a much smaller sensor than a lot of the other cameras that are out right now. Mm -hmm. But you can shoot 4k on that. And that gave a leg up to a lot of filmmakers and a lot of vloggers and, and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. which really put them on the map and kind of like cemented that. Like I put like the GH four in the same like zone as like the five D Mark three. hundred percent. You know what I mean? It, like, like the a seven S Mark one. Yeah, yeah. Like it changed the game. It's like one of those mm-hmm. cameras that kind of changed the game. So I get them going back to this line. Of like, hey, like, guys, y'all know all you GH5 shooters out there. Like, look, here's something new. The thing I don't get is, okay, hey, all you GH5 shooters out there. Look, a GH5 Mark II. Yeah. Buy this. But in five months, we're going to replace it. With a much better camera. Yeah. So I'm like, like, I feel like panasonic's aiming for a very niche group right now of like people who can't who are like i can't shoot on my gh5 anymore because it's five years old right um 
but I need a new camera and I've been looking at something else, but Oh look a GH five Mark two. But like it, it blows my mind that they're like doing something that like, it seems like they're creating competition amongst themselves. Totally. hundred percent. And I'm like the, if they were, if they were to come out and say the GH five is now, you know, crop sensor or something revolutionary that they've done. Yeah. Then I would kind of understand, which I assume all that stuff is going to be reserved for the GH6, but they didn't do much. They're like, oh, you get vlog for free, and you also get uh, wireless streaming capabilities and no record limit. And oh, and also, I don't know if you know this, but they released so with the pre order of the GH5 too, you get a full year of the Lumix Pro service, which is like a whole, you know, it's the Nikon NPS stuff pretty much. And then you get a free peak design strap and you get a whole bunch of stuff. So they, I think this is a like, please don't forget about us type move because why would you throw in free pro membership? That's like, if for yeah. people that don't know, that's like you get priority on cameras and lenses. Like they they specifically like so, like will separate out. Like if you need a you know a one hundred to five hundred like uh, Panasonic lens or whatever, they'll set that aside for you. Speci- it's for pro level consume like yeah. members. It's like direct communication with Panasonic. Exactly. Which when I think of the GH five and this, you know, maybe I'm out of, out of line here, but I don't think of like high-end pro-level yeah. producers, which I'm sure there are tons of people that shoot pro-level stuff on GH5. Oh, that's absolutely, not yeah. the first thing I think of. You probably are shooting on like an S1H if you're at that, you know, Lumix Pro yeah. service level. So I don't... It seems like a Hail Mary, like last ditch, like, oh shit, please don't forget about us. Like here's another, here's a GH5 two to tide you over until the six and then, you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it, it feels like it, like both of them coming out at the same time or not the same time, but within, you know, we're talking within six months of each other. Yeah. Seems like a conversation that made sense in a boardroom somewhere. You know what I mean? Sure. They're like, okay, yeah. So like historically like profits blah 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 blah, blah like corporate speak corporate yep. speak corporate speak like if we i'm sh- and i'm sure there's a breakdown of it. if we release this gh5 mark ii now x number of people will buy it and then in six months you know those people that didn't buy it will be like oh i'm just but like i can't imagine like what's the sales pitch for the gh5 mark ii yeah like I don't know. There is none. Like, I'm like, you could get this or you could hang on for six more months. And the GH5, I just look at the GH5 came out in 2017. So, like, if you're shooting on a GH5 right now, and I'm not saying you bought it in 2017, but, like, it's tech that's been around for a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like. Compared to the other things in the industry, like you're kind of hurting spec wise. And, you know, we've talked on this podcast before about how it's all just a spec race now. So like, yeah, you know, even down to your clients are going to be like, well, but like full frame question mark. So like, I'm like, I, I can't imagine how I would pitch or who I would pitch to, Hey, get this middle ground camera. That's going to be out of date in six months. Exactly. I, yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, honestly, like the GH6, I'm like, it looks cool. 5.7K is pretty dope. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Pretty. But that's the selling point. That's the pitch right there. Yeah. Like, you don't, there's not one of those with the GH5 Mark II. Like, yeah, there the GH5 is least, doing what? 4K60? Yeah, 4K60, maybe, maybe over 60. But at the same, it's like, who cares? Like, at this price point. Yeah. But if you're out there looking for a camera that's 4K60, there's way better options than the GH5 Mark II. Right. Totally. And, like, I don't want to get into, like, sensor wars here, but, like, especially if, so, like, 5.7K, cool, but on a Micro Four Thirds, I'm, like, if you're in that world and you have a line of Micro Four Thirds lenses, totally, but, like, and I guess that, I guess they got to be aiming at their, they're not trying to pull people to Panasonic, they're aiming at their own user base, right? They must be, because... I mean, wh- who shoots Micro Four Thirds? Olympus are they, shooters. Are they trying to to get in on some Olympus market share? But does anyone from Olympus shoot video? It's like they're, they're there, it's yeah, a weird. There it is. Yeah. Like I don't understand. This camera is so out of place. It, it really does. If they didn't, re- if they didn't announce this GH6, then I'd be like, sure. Yeah. I guess. I mean, it's kind of a lame upgrade, but you know, it's a new GH5. But no, if they, they released. They announced the GH6 with it. Yeah. If they announced, if they, if the GH6 was going to come out like next August, August like 2022. Yeah. Totally. Oh, then yeah. Like that's a long time. But I'm like, who can't hang, who's so hurting for a new camera that they can't hang on for five, six months? Well, so here, I just had a weird thought. And Uh-oh. this, again, who knows? Can we get a can we get a jingle for Josh Weird Thought of the Day? Oh, I'll make one. It'll be great. Cool. <laughs> um Canon did two cameras, the first round of mirrorless and the second round. Nikon also did two cameras, first round of mirrorless and second round. Sony is in its own world, so I don't really consider them part of this. They have all mirrorless, so every camera's mirrorless. Yeah. Do you think that this is just them trying to be like, oh, the R6, the R5, the Z6, the Z7? GH5, GH6, like we need hmm. to do a double round here or else they're going to like maybe not think of us in the same way. Like, do you think that might be in the cards for them or, or that's just like a, you know, non-starter? That's an interesting thought. Um, It might, you know, who knows, but. That, I mean, that could, that could be legit. It's like, I mean, to go back, like I could hear that conversation happening in the same boardroom we were just talking about like right oh well we need two tiers we need yeah. a 4k and a 5.7k right you might be onto something there but it's weird because at the same like if you were to do this so for those of you who don't know r5 is kind of their canon. well it, it's hard to yeah yeah canon r5 is is um I don't know how to quantify this camera because it's not really their flagship or anything, but basically it's their high resolution, high megapixel, like performance camera mirrorless. The R6 is more of like the consumer level, still pro, still pro level, but it's doesn't boast the 50 megapixels or the 8K. Z6 from Nikon is their, uh, wait, is it the six or the seven? That's the resolution one. One of them is resolution. The seven is the resolution one. The six is the, yeah. 
is yeah. So the the Z7 is for resolution. It's got like 45 plus megapixels. The Z6 is more for everyday use. It's also got like 20 FPS electronic shutter, so you can do sports on it if you want to. Yeah. So those cameras all have their spot. There's not like a oh you could get this or you could get this, but they're kind of the same camera. It's like no, the R5 is so drastically different from the R6, and the Z6 is so draft drastically different from the Z7. That it makes sense to do a dual release because there's consume there's uh, shooters who are going to use both cameras that someone might buy both cameras to shoot different things with, but if you're going with this, it's like you could get a GH5 too, or you could wait and get a better version of that camera later this year. Like it's not there's not an either or here. It's get this, but why would you get this when the six is better? (laughs) Like it's the same camera but better. Like the cost point on these are is, is a very similar thing. I think the the GH five Mark II is going to be about two grand. Yep. The GH six is going to be about twenty five hundred. And I'm looking at the specs here, and I think you might be onto something because I can see that argument here of like, yeah, here's our five point six camera, or here's our five point seven K camera, and here's our four K camera. Mm-hmm. here's this here's that here's this here's that like so i guess it does it just become a marketing like for lack of a better term goof at this point i'm like are they making it seem like this is just like a stepping stone that's irrelevant as opposed to like a simultaneous release like would we be having a different reaction if they were like here's the gh5 2 and the gh6 <sighs> or here's here's I... a better question if this was the gh6 and the gh7 would it be mm-hmm. a whole different ball game See, I think it might be, but they they've Panasonic well the naming of their cameras is a nightmare, but they've done something where it's like they the GH series is made for a specific reason. Yeah. Like it's their video centered uh series of cameras. So to do a I think they've put themselves in a box here mm-hmm. by trying to do two GH cameras. Why are you doing two GH cameras? Like do a G9 or a G85 or a G whatever 95 like what do another one of a G7. Like yeah. why are you doing two of the same camera? Yeah. Like the R6 and the R5 are not the same camera. Yeah, or the the, 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 Z, the Z6 and the Z7 is one's for video and one's for stills. Exactly. But like these they're are not the same camera. Yeah, but these are these both video are. cameras. Yeah. So it's like they, and if this truly was what they were thinking and like, oh, we'll do a double release like everyone else. Well, you got to choose a camera that's not the same damn camera. Do another S1 camera then, or do another, you know, I don't, there's a whole bunch of cameras in their line that they could do another one of that. This just doesn't like, the more we talk about this, the more it makes no sense to me. Well, it really from any standpoint. And and I'll tie it back. And I think, I don't know, I'll tie it back. I think like. The GH4 and its timing and it's becoming like a a major player in that kind of thing. I think put Panasonic in a world in like a a position in the the filmmaking industry that it didn't really expect to be in. And it doesn't I mean, I don't want to like editorialize, but like it doesn't fully understand. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like it's kind of like trying to build on this video world and i think it, i and i'm talking myself further into this now like it's building on this video kind of thing like it tried to do with the s series that didn't work and it's like oh the s series the full frame s series like didn't work at all mm. let's come back to the the name brand gh series 
and we'll mess with that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if like within a year we get a GH six Mark two. Totally. You know what I mean? Cause they're like, Oh yeah, we'll just like put out a bunch of cameras on this and, and go from there. hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. I, I would not put seeing this move. I would not put that past them at all. Cause I think they are desperately, and I'll, I'll, I'll need to do a little research on like the market share and everything sure. and how much like they make up. Um, but like when we talk about the camera manufacturers, they don't really even come into play, yeah. really, which sucks because they do make good stuff. But it's like, yeah, it's it's Canon, Nikon, and Sony, and then there's the other ones, you know. Yeah, there's Panasonic, like Fuji, there's Fuji, there's yeah. kind Olympus. of Olympus. Um, Pentax has one camera, I think, Pentax. two cameras. Leica, <laughs> Rico, Leica, yeah, Leica's in its own. Yeah, Hasselblad, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um. Yeah, uh, this is going to be another one where we're going to have to wait and see on what's what what happens with this. Be- and this is I'm going to be following very closely because I need to know what the hell they're thinking is on this because I wouldn't sell a GH5 2 to anyone, to yeah. be quite honest. I would say, hey, wait five months and you'll get what you really want yeah. versus another version of the camera you already have. Yeah, like I, that, and I, like, I don't think there's anybody that's out there shooting with the GH5 right now that's like, well... Let me get the Mark II instead of the six. Like, there's no argument to be made yeah. to get the Mark II instead of the six. No. Although, I wonder, and we'll have to wait and see on this too, I wonder if they're going to tag that pro membership because it's a $200. It's like, it truly does get you a lot of stuff if, yeah. you, if you're a pro level shooter. I will, it's, it'll be interesting to see if they tag that onto their GH6 release as well. Cause if they don't, then that's just a, like please buy the GH5 too. Like we're gonna give you all of this stuff for free. Like you can, like that'll be yeah. You know. That's interesting. Yeah, because that was so. Yeah, I work in a camera store. For those of you who don't know, so I like no. I today I had to work on something to do with the GH5 two release, and that was part of it. Was like oh, they're giving you all this stuff for free, and I'm like, huh, that's weird. Usually they don't do stuff like that. It it, it seems to me, and I, I will. I don't know. It'll also be interesting to see how long that deal lasts for of like, yeah, you get Panasonic member services as well. Like that can go away when the, the six comes out. Right. Well, it's all, it's on all the GH5 two pre-orders as far as I'm concerned. So I'm like, if you pre-order the camera, you get all of that yeah, stuff for two years for no extra car for uh, two years or one year. It's one, one year. or two years. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's not something that they throw around lightly. So I'm like, I, this can only mean relatively negative things for them. I think. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. But um, so speaking of big companies that are trying to figure out what to do next. Nice. Nailed it. Boom. Netflix. That's it, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, guys. <laughs> um. <laughs> So Netflix has released, or there was an article put out where um, Netflix has been trying to recruit a bunch of ex-video game developers to join some sort of video game division that they've been um, coming up with. And I'm not sure exactly where this is going to go, but, um, you know, this is right on the heels of of big uh, companies like Apple, who has their arcade, which I want to know your thoughts on. Um, also, Amazon Game Studios, which I didn't really know was a thing until today, but they also just recently opened their own game division, and one of their games has already been shelved indefinitely. The other one's having some issues, so I'm like, uh, uh, you know. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going, and I think this is all coming from 
the big surge in streaming video games and mm-hmm. 2020 when a lot of people just started dusting off their Xboxes and playing video games sitting at home for eight months. Yeah. Animal Crossing. Um, yeah. And also like <laughs> the whole Fortnite thing. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's weird because like a couple of years ago when Fortnite came around and a lot of people, oh, Fortnite, it, it did something crazy because it pushed video games into like everyone's household like you didn't everyone knew about Fortnite. ninja was on tv he was on family feud he was hanging out with celebrities like he's a multi-millionaire like it's just it got pushed into this echelon of celebrity and household name stuff so i think they're just trying to capitalize on this um but but i what do you have you tried apple arcade is that like something that's on apple tv or so it is on apple tv and here's my thing so i haven't and i sh- i should preface this that i'm not like a big gamer i have a nintendo switch with a series of games on it that i play and i pick up something new every now and then you know but like yeah i'll qualify it this way i'm not a big mobile gamer which yes i kind of equate with like apple arcade and I don't know about totally. I don't know about Amazon's gaming studio here. I haven't heard anything or played anything off that. But like mm-hmm. the Apple Arcade thing for me is interesting. But I'm like, how do I like I don't have a controller for that. Right. Like that. It, it, like it's the weirdest thing. I'm like, so like, is it something that I'm just playing games that are on my phone on my TV? You know what I mean? And then like because that's, you know, like my Apple TV controller is on my phone like i can just connect it that way um Mm -hmm. but like so it's one of those things i feel like it has like a level it does itself a level of disservice in that like i'm like well this doesn't feel like a gaming platform there's no like i don't have my xbox controller and my switch controller and my apple tv controller right you know like Mm -hmm. and so like and from what i've seen like a lot of the games that are on apple arcade and again i haven't delved deep into this but like a lot of them seem to be very similar to the ones that you get on your phone and mm-hmm. i don't know i'm not into that if 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 the apple tv came packaged with a controller i think we'd be in a whole different ball game sure when it comes to netflix i'm kind of in the same vein because like a netflix gaming thing like no one's gonna go out and buy a netflix gaming box Right. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I have Netflix on my Fire TV, on my Apple TV, on my LG, like just on my actual TV, um, on my smart TV. And I'm not going to get another device just so I can play video games on Netflix. Yeah. So it's weird to me. Like, what are they really aiming at here? Are they just like. Is this like a divert diversification thing of like, well, we are all this, you know, streaming stuff, but like also we could stream games. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm like grasping here. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> well, that's honestly, that's this, this, uh, story kind of brought up more questions than it did answers for me. Cause I had the same question. It's like, are you going to be developing games for someone else? Is this going to be something that you have to control with your, remote like like the bandersnatch game like the the you know the yeah, I'm glad uh, you black mirror up. bandersnatch um because i thought that was fun as a not a, the right word but it was interesting um, yeah but but i don't know like it's it getting into the video game space is a huge huge 
task. It's not just, okay, let me just make a game and everyone's going to play it. No, it's like these companies, like I'm just trying to think of like EA, Activision, like there's a whole bunch of like Blizzard, these huge companies have spent decades on this stuff. Yeah. And they've built a fan base. Like people know these these um, studios by name. Bungie. It's like when Rockstar puts out a game, like people are looking at it because yeah. it's like okay, it's Red Dead Redemption or uh, it's Grand Theft Auto. Like they it's think Grand Theft about Auto it's, Five Five. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think if they're trying to do that, it's a stupid move. If they're going for doing something on their own platform i'm more intrigued because it's not going to try they're not trying to like replace anything i think it's all in the same like we talked about earlier they're trying to keep you on the on the the site yeah you know they're not trying to like push you onto an xbox it's they're trying to keep you on netflix so that's i think they might try and do something like that but will it succeed probably not unless the games are like slam dunks like i i I don't it's not because the way I'm thinking of it, it's like the Apple Arcade stuff. Like, I don't play mobile games. Like, the games I play on my phone, like, I have The Sims on my phone, which is not an Apple product. It's like, it, it's made by whoever. Pokemon like Go. 10, 20. Exactly. Like, it, <laughs> which, again, is not an Apple product. It's something that you knew about before. It's yeah. not developed by them or anything. So, Well, to that, it is also on the Apple platform, though. So there's something to, to be said for that. Totally. Totally. Um, but... But, but well, then do you think that they would try and get, like, titles on Netflix? Or do you think that they would just try and do it in-house? So here's here's where I'm kind of landing on this. So I'm glad you brought up Bandersnatch because I think that's, like, the the interesting use case here of... Mm-hmm. I thought Bandersnatch was, was really interesting. Um, yeah. I looked this up the other day. It's, like, apparently they've done a ton of, like, children's shows that are like that, that are choose your own adventures that are like cartoons that like are not nearly as laborious to like, you know, film and whatnot. Um, (laughs) but so like, they've still been playing with that. And that's the one big thing I remember from watching Bandersnatch. And I'm like, this is cool. But like, I feel really weird pointing my remote at this and being like, right, left, right, left, select, you know? Um, the thing that's going to get me is, and here we go again. It's going to be IP. Yeah. Like if there's a gaming segment to the new season of stranger things. Yeah. I'm, I'm into that. Sure. You know what I mean? If it's like, here's seven episodes and a 20 minute, like choose your own adventure or not even choose your own adventure, but like in a 20 minute, like game, or there's a game in this series that like, Hey, like, they play an arcade game here. You want to play the arcade game? Click here. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like, because that's the thing. So, like, I I have a lot of respect for Netflix as, like, a company. And, like, that yeah. they, like, search for, you know, like, because say what you will about, like, them being, like, a massive streaming service, all that kind of stuff. But, like, they take steps and explore whether or not it's going to do well for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, like, if there's something that they can say, hey, like, like Stranger Things is a good example or like, um, I don't know, I don't have another good example off the top of my head. But like, so if they're going to say, hey, here's like a Stranger Things tie in and they can pull in that crowd from the IP that they have on their platform, which 
hey, is going to include Spider-Man pretty soon. Um, mm. Like, there's something to be said for that being intertwined. Yeah. I don't care about, like, a scroller, like, that Netflix is like, oh, yeah, we're just, like, playing yeah. game, <laughs> paying game devs to, like, make the Netflix version of Apple Arcade. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to challenge Apple Arcade. You know what I right. mean? Or the App Store. Like, you're you're not. Like, right. the only people that could challenge it are, like, the Android Store because it's, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to challenge Apple Arcade. You're not going to challenge Xbox. You're not going to challenge Nintendo. So I don't know. It's it's yeah. I could go. I could go either way with it. it. Like for me, it's going to depend on how tied in it is to its IP. Totally. Yeah. And I. I mean, I didn't even consider that because when I originally thought about this, I was thinking, oh, maybe. Like the only thing I could think of is they're going to start developing games and then either selling them to someone or creating their own gaming platform like Steam or something. But that makes it makes more sense to me to do something right within the netflix browser and just have it be like a small a really tiny thing yeah because you're not bringing like a freaking like resident evil level game to netflix like it's just yeah the the amount of time that goes into these games like that's why i'm like it has to be simple there's no way they're putting 10 years into a gta game to put on net like it's not it's just it, it doesn't That's seem like they know what they're doing. <laughs> well, selling it to like another thing, I'm like, is this so? Maybe we're missed. Maybe we're like not looking at this from the right angle of like, is this mm-hmm. like they're gonna s- create and sell a Stranger Things game that's gonna be distributed on PlayStation and Xbox and Switch? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, is this about developing their IP into games? that people will play on existing platforms. That would make a lot more sense to me. That would make a lot more sense to me. Cause, but in the same vein, it's like just license them to people who know how to make games. Then. Yeah. Like, like, why are you developing your own in-house thing? Right. And if, I mean, it's the fact that they're grabbing a bunch of random developers that have worked for other studios. I'm like, what are you doing? What I don't know. I really don't know. This is this is something that's like confounding me today. I'm like I, Netflix and video games. They just don't correlate to. Yeah, and it's just a hard uh, industry to get into. Like you, you see how quickly these like Fall Guys, Among Us, like there's a bunch of these games that indie developers came up with. Yeah, and they're gone. They're just nobody popping. fucking plays them. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you might have a crazy game that people might like latch onto for a couple months. But the way things move so fast in 2021, like you'd have to have those on deck ready to go yeah. for the next one to die and keep going and keep going. And if not, then you need to have something that people are going to sit there and play for 20 hours, 80 hours. Yeah. You need a Skyrim or something that people are going to actually sit there for. Side scrollers ain't it. Well, so. I think of uh, like Angry Birds and like Angry Birds was mm. like a, a phenomenon that they then turned into like a. Oh, a video franchise like i think there's been three angry birds movies now yeah i mean I there so. could have been oh, three real ones and then you know 27 like straight to video ones that my nieces are watching but like oh i'm sure yeah you know so like i i don't know if that's what they're looking for of like hey let's find something that we can develop ip around but like i don't know i it seems like a weird thing to me that i'm like but like you're netflix don't try and be xbox yeah 
I don't know. I mean, it's 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 all of this stuff is to make money. So yeah. no matter what, it's going to be something that they think is a smart idea in one reg- in some regard. And everything we just talked about right now, none of that seems like a smart idea. So I, I don't know where yeah. their heads at. And again, this might just be something that drops completely and never happens. Yeah. Um, well, and it's also just, it's one of those things like we've said, like um, Netflix's whole deal is get people on the platform. You know, so if like exactly. I can get you in there and then like, you know, you finish a level and it's like, hey, do you want to start playing like New Girl? You know, or they like release a level every week or something like that. Um, oh, which is like, <laughs> I like that, but I'm also like, that's like way too good of an idea for Netflix to like adopt. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. And are gamers the ones who are like, okay, level done. Let's just. Oh, wait. wait till next week. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wait till next week. It's like, no, I'm finishing the game now. <laughs> it's Thursday at five o'clock. The new, ep- the new, uh, the new Stranger level. Things level is dropped. Um, Take me 20 minutes to play through. Which would also yeah. be so against the whole Netflix mentality of like, yeah, no, we're going to drop things individually slash not at the same time. No, that's not how Netflix does. Exactly. True. That would be an Amazon. Th- we'll see how Amazon Studio Game Studios is going to do their yeah. stuff because. Um, but like, again, they must just be selling, like, I don't know. I, it, I don't think any of these ideas are fully thought out a hundred percent. Cause it's just nothing. I don't know. I'm thinking so hard about a transition right now and I don't know. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> Let's get into it. So Dear Evan Hansen, which was a beloved, uh, play. I think it played on Broadway for a very long time. Yes. The past like five years or yeah. six years or something. I remember hearing about it a long time ago. Uh, they're adapting it into a movie, which is cool. I mean, I always like to see those because I think it's just interesting to see what because stage theater performances are so different than film. Yeah, that it's it's just interesting to see how they adapt it onto the screen. Um, and for this specific film, Ben Platt who was in stuff like Pitch Perfect, and that's that's how I first saw him. He, who played Evan Hansen on the stage, is reprising his role on the big screen. And for those of you who don't know, Evan Hansen in the play and, and in the movie is supposed to be a high schooler, meaning between the ages of like 13 and 18. And Ben is nearing 30. So... Yes. <laughs> and that was a huge... And, and really, the... The main reason I want to talk about this is because he was getting lit up in the comments being like, what the, what is this? It's like Andrew Garfield level. Oh, I'm a high schooler in Spider-Man and yeah. he's like 35. Like. Or Tobey Maguire level. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Although that was better because he was in college. He was in high school in the beginning of that movie, don't you? Oh, okay. I was thinking about Spider-Man too and I was giving him more of a pass. But. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it doesn't, doesn't work at all. And we come back to Spider-Man. Um, we do. But <laughs> yes, continue. Um, so I I mean, the main reason I want to talk about this is because it can, it always confuses me when filmmakers make a choice like this, where they're like, let me get, and for this, it makes more sense because it's the, he, they wanted the, you know, the star of this play to also do his role. But like the Andrew Garfield and the Tobey Maguire, it's like, just why not get someone who is that age, who is a good actor? And in 2021, the year of our Lord, we've got tons and tons of amazing kid actors. Yes. I mean, Stranger Things we were just talking about. I mean, the It adaptation, freaking uh, Tom Holland in Spider-Man. Like, there's yeah. so many now that are A-listers even. And I know, you know some people just want to grab the A-listers, but it's like... Um, 
but so what do you th- yeah what are your thoughts on that kind of like casting older people to play younger people when it works it works like leo and sure um yeah catch me if you can or whatever okay i was like oh there's <laughs> yeah, so many like, directions you could go i know leo yeah, in like, titanic was... <laughs> leo in true i know the you aviator know. <laughs> yeah yeah it's true um, um so yeah what yeah yeah i mean the interesting thing for me with this like i so i've known a, a fair amount of like musical actors and things like that and like these guys are very and this is not even what i'm intending to say but these guys are very protective of these roles like it's it's not like mm. and i'm not saying that he was like oh yeah no i'm playing this or it's not happening right. uh like there's there's a level to which so okay I'm going to back up for a second. So there's a level to which with like musicals and things like this, a lot of the audience that's attracted to it knows it through the soundtrack Mm. because I mean, you're talking about Broadway or you're talking about national tours and things like that. And it's like, it doesn't have anywhere near the exposure of like a movie or an album or something like that. Mm. So I think there's a level to reach for of yes, he's older, but he's going to sound like, what the people who are going to see this to see a Dear Evan Hansen movie are expecting to hear. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's more of like a fan service type thing. It's a bit of, yeah, it's like a fan service kind of thing, but it's like they're like everybody's singing voice is, is different. And like there's a level to which that expectation of the audio of it is like a big part of the marketing scheme to this. You know what I mean? Whereas if you got somebody else, like a younger person who actually was like 15 or 16 or whatever, or even like, you know, 20, 21, they might be more age appropriate for the role. But like the people that are getting drawn into musical films of like current musicals um, Mm -hmm. are likely already familiar with the text, I guess would be the, the argument. So that brings up two things. When it comes to actors or people like wanting, like, uh, or studios or filmmakers wanting the actors to do the singing mm-hmm. portion, that it doesn't have to be like that. Like, if you see, like, if you had tried to have Rami Malik do Freddie Mercury, it's just not going to work. So it's like, yeah. I think there's, I guess it all depends on the, the property and the in the piece and if the director wants to go that route and if the actor can do it because like you know you saw in uh uh Brett, what's it called um bradley cooper lady gaga yeah um, yeah they a star is born star is born i don't know why i couldn't think of that like they did sing that yeah. movie so i'm like that that makes more sense or i think um, of uh late miz where they were like oh yeah famous yeah. with like anne hathaway and hugh jackman where like they were like they didn't use an audio track. They were actually physically singing on set. Yeah. Right. Which they can both sing. So it, Russell Crowe, I don't not know. So not so much. <laughs> Sidebar. Yes. Um, so, but then, but then my other question, so the other way I was going to go with this is, so then is this necessary? Like, should this stay on the stage? Like, why are we bringing it into, and I'm all for musical adaptations, but Why? Uh, it's just, you know, is it necessary? Maybe it is, but, uh, you know, if the people who are going to see it are the people who saw the play, is is it 
something that is necessary. Well, I don't know that the people that are going to go to see it are necessarily the people who saw the play. I think the people that are going to go to see it are going to be the people that wish they could have seen the play. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Or like wish they could have seen the play with the original cast. Gotcha. Because that's like, so like, that's a big thing for me, at least with like musicals and things like that is like, and I don't mean to disparage any musical theater actors or anything like that, but like there's a level to which the people who originate these roles on Broadway bring something to it that when they eventually move on to something else and somebody replaces them, like something that can't be replicated. You know what I mean? Like, totally. um, Like the original Wicked with uh, Christian Chenoweth and um, Adita Menzel, you know, they, they were the two originals of, um, you know, two original leads in Wicked and, like there's a level to which seeing them perform that versus seeing the people that eventually replace that is like is a higher level of authenticity or seeing the original cast of Hamilton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of That's thing. There's one. like a level of like higher authenticity to that. So mm-hmm. like if you're creating a, a movie version of this musical, you want to bring that same authenticity that people like, like there's a bigger draw to that. Is it, does mm-hmm. that make sense with what I'm saying? It does. But does it matter? So, like, if someone else was playing, I guess it's 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 the whole thing. It's not just the singing; it's the performance; it's everything. Because I was gonna say, well, you could just du- like, d- who cares if they're singing on, you know, in the movie? You can dub it; o- it's dubbed anyway, so you can yeah. dub it over with someone else. Like, have Ben Platt do the singing. But you're right; it is it's the whole thing; it's the performance. Well, and yeah, and and there's a level to which, like, so if Ben Platt wasn't doing this, the fan base would probably be like, oh. And, you know, they'd like yeah. they'd lose a few viewers, but like, would they really lose the majority of people that are going to go see this? I don't know. Totally. And I and I think like I'm not a like I said on an earlier episode, I'm not a big musical guy, but I think you're already suspending a bit of disbelief when you're going into these already because, you know, it's a heightened world. It's yeah. not like 100 re- percent like musical numbers break out in the middle of nowhere. So it's like you're already kind of in that mindset of things are heightened in a way. So I in that sense I guess if the if the performance itself doesn't detract yeah. then send it, who cares? Um cuz at some point you'll just forget that Ben Platt looks like he's 30 and it's going to yeah. doesn't matter anymore. So in that sense I yeah, I think that's it's if it brings a level of authenticity that heightens the film, I think that that's totally fine. And in this case, you know, I'm being rough on Ben, but I think that uh like I'm not the demographic who who they're trying to go for sure. here. So like I'm obviously like, well, the guy's thirty; he shouldn't be playing a fifteen year old. But hey, you know what? Whatever. He if, also if he doesn't does well, like look thirty. Like he, he no, it's not like he's there with like a full beard and like yeah, yeah, you know, a uh, a beer gut and all that kind of stuff. But like, right? He, they know. definitely made him look younger for sure. Um, but but yeah, I get yeah, I, I I'm down with that. I think that especially for musicals because it's it's. It's yeah. not reality. Like it's something else. Um and so yeah, I guess I'm 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 in for it. Everyone yeah. needs to stop hating on Ben Platt, guys. Come on. He's thirty, who cares? Seriously. Yeah. It's ageist. <laughs> it's ageist, exactly. He can play whoever he wants to. Have him play a baby next time. Yeah. Let's get Anthony Hopkins as uh I don't know, let's get him in uh as a as a jet or a shark in uh West Side Story. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, please. That would oh, be God. fantastic. 
All right. man. <laughs> On that, like, deep dive into musical nerddom. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's, let's bring it back. Yeah. I feel like I have to, uh, like, my recommendation for this week has to be, like, a musical or something now. I mean, hey, you're the musical, you're into musicals, you're the musical guy, so, uh, you did that to yourself, man. I, don't I know. know. <laughs> I will not recommend the Cats musical movie. But, but I, why not? But, but I, why? No, no, we're not, we're not going down that road. Tom Hooper's my guy. <sighs> God damn it. My guy that I love to hate on. Do you have a a, a recommendation this week, Josh? <laughs> I do have a I'm recommendation. I'm just going to fly on by that one. That's fine. All right. So my recommendation is not a musical at all, and it's not a, well, it is kind of current because it's still going, which is ridiculous, but it is a, a British sitcom from the 1980s called Red Dwarf. Yes. And those of you who have never seen it, I don't care if you like comedy or British humor. Check it out because it's fucking awesome. Um, I the I just want to read the so there's a little monologue that happens in the before every episode in the first series that the ship's computer says, and I just want to read that because it's the perfect uh, little synopsis for the show, and it goes as follows. This is an SOS distress call from the mining ship Red Dwarf. The crew are dead, killed by a radiation leak. The only survivors are Dave Lister, who is in suspended animation during the disaster, and his pregnant cat, who is safely sealed in the hold. Revived three million years later, Lister's only companions are a life form who evolved from his cat, and Arnold Rimmer, a hologram simulation of one of the dead crew, I am Holly, the ship's computer with an IQ of 6,000, the same IQ as 6,000 PE teachers. So so good. Super dry, super British, super slapstick, cheesy, and awesome. Like, practical effects all around. Amazing sets, puppets, the, the whole nine. It's sci-fi to a point, but more fantasy. And it's just, it's really, it's a great show. I, I would highly recommend it. You can find it on Prime if you have the BritBox uh, subscription, which is literally a, like a secondary subscription. I literally subscribe to Prime, and then I also subscribe to a British <laughs> like just subscription service just to watch Red Dwarf. Nice, because I I love this show so much. Excellent. Um, definitely, definitely worth checking out. And there's eleven or twelve seasons. They literally keep making it. There was like two seasons at the beginning, and now they just make one every like four years. The, the last one came out last year, so I'm like, dude, they keep doing it. So I I, I don't care. I had no idea that Red Dwarf was still going. That's crazy. Yeah, they keep doing like one season here and there. British shows do that a lot. I yeah. don't know, like they they do that a lot. It's either like um, a lot or like two. Right, exactly. It's like oh, we'll do two seasons, and it was fantastic, the best show ever. And then it's like you know, <laughs> um, but that is my recommendation for this week. What is your recommendation, Willis? All right, well, so I'm like panicking over here, and like I've thrown out my original one. Uh, Why? Because it doesn't have to be a musical. Well, now it does though. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm gonna go with something uh, that's a little. I guess it would be a little bit obscure at this point, but um, it's mm. a 2006 movie called Dream Girls. Okay. Um, which is a musical, so I'm on yeah. brand over here. Um, but it's not based on like a, oh God, I don't know. It's, I don't believe it's based on a Broadway musical. Um, I believe it may have become a Broadway musical, but it's um, 
Jennifer Hudson, uh, Jamie Foxx, Beyonce, uh, Eddie Murphy, I think got an Oscar nomination for that, that role. Um, but it's, it's an incredible like mixture of like musical numbers and like great, great filmmaking. Um, it's, it's one of those, uh, kind of, it toes that line very well and it's, um, Okay, yeah, it it is adapted from uh, from a Broadway musical. Sorry, I'm looking here. So yeah, I'm even more on rank. God damn it, um, it's a, a musical from 1981. Yes, perfect. Um, yes, but it's it's uh it's all about like Motown and the Supremes and uh, and that kind of stuff, and it's absolutely like crazy engaging. Like it's it's so good. It's um, it's pretty pretty amazing. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! Check um, out Dreamgirls, everyone. And I believe, yeah, it's streaming on HBO Max. Oh, perfect. So It's even on a streaming yeah, service. It's awesome. Go. Look at that. Yeah. Brought it back, ladies and gentlemen. So that'll All that'll right. bring us home, I guess. We've been we've been going for quite a while here. Um We have been. But I, I feel like as we say at the end of it of every episode where we go along, we're just kind of like, Well, yeah. Yeah. We talk about this stuff. That's how we do. It's the point of the show, you yeah. know? All right, well, so uh, let's bring that's it home. Do it, I guess. Um, Josh, where can uh, where can people find you online? People can find me online on Instagram at uh, Josh J Fuller, and I'm going back and forth on whether or not we're well, not going to do my Twitter. Where, where can people find you? Okay. Willis? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Willis Film. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Willis Film. Uh, kind of, oh. kind of. Um, okay. You can also find us as as a group uh, on Instagram at Pixel Splitters, and believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, we actually did tweet the other day. I think we've got two tweets now. It, like we've doubled our tweets in as many weeks. So yes, um, be very proud of us. Uh, follow yes. us on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. Um, yes. For the we, love of God, tweet at us. Yeah, like I feel like when we start getting interaction on Twitter, that's when we'll be like, oh man, like yeah, this podcast is taking off. Like. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess that'll do it. That'll bring us home. Uh, anything else you'd like to say, Josh? Not really. Although I would say definitely check out, um, this is secondary, but check out Wrath of Man. It's awesome. (laughs) Oh, okay. So now you're just throwing double recommendations at me real quick. I have to, I have Guy Ritchie's my, my dude. Just check out Wrath of Man in theaters, please. All right. It's loud and it's awesome. All right. You heard it here. I was going to say first, but I feel like people probably wrath of man. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> end of podcast. Yes. Goodbye. It's good talking to you. Good man. talking to you. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.